Greeks did it, the Romans too. Throughout the Middle Ages, the Renaissance and the rise of early modern Europe, it's there as well. It's the linkage of music and story, songs, movement, and plot. Musical theater can be uproarious or emotional, heartfelt or thought-provoking, patriotic or indicative of a world many of us rarely see. Musicals can open doors to meaningful conversations about social issues, race, class, gender, or identity. They can be produced, acted, and directed through community theater with well-meaning amateurs or in sold-out Broadway venues where the average ticket price on the Great White Way is over $100. If you find yourself humming my shot from Hamilton, you're not alone. And even if that show is not your cup of tea, chances are there's a Gershwin, a Rodgers and Hammerstein, a Sondheim, an Andrew Lloyd Webber, or a Gilbert and Sullivan who gets your toes tapping. Have you ever found yourself in an interesting coffee, beer, or wine conversation about which Jerome Robbins production was most innovative? If so, you are definitely a musical theater person. What makes musical theater so great is the symmetry between music and lyrics, singing, dancing, and acting, all synced together in a world of acts and scenes. Set against the sea of creative ideas and personalities, choreographers, performers, producers, and directors, work together with costumers, musicians, orchestras, set designers, lighting directors, and a blizzard of others who come together to produce what looks effortless and magical on the stage, but surely is not. Sometimes the production resonates with such a wide audience that we see it multiple times. Phantom of the Opera opened in 1988 and has been staged well over 12,000 times. The Lion King grossed over a billion dollars. In a good year, Broadway sells about 13 million seats. A Broadway show is one stage in a theater with 500 or more seats. Smaller venues are considered off-Broadway. The actual street, Broadway, is one of the longest ones in New York City. But since the size of the theater determines the official Broadway status, not the address, it means you have off-Broadway theaters actually located on Broadway and Broadway theaters physically located off the actual Broadway street. Confused? It's okay. In the end, it's all about the music and the dance and the storytelling and the costumes and the experience, not about the curious packs of details. Joining me today to talk about musical theater are Nathan Thomas and Katie DeFiglio, veteran musicians, performers, directors, theater lovers, educators, and experts. Welcome, y'all. Thanks. So what was the first musical you remember seeing or listening to that hooked you, and what about it was so mesmerizing? Well, for me, it was West Side Story, the recording of it, the movie. I just, I loved it. I grew up seeing all those movie musicals, um, Sound of Music, and so that was really my first experience of just hearing it. And of course, I would act out all the scenes in my bedroom. Jets and sharks <laughs> all over the place. I knew every part from the soundtrack. Um, but the first Broadway show in New York City that I saw, um, I will never forget, it was a Hamlet Opera in the 90s. And I just was so overwhelmed. The opening scene was the auction, and you know everything was just kind of dark. And, and as soon as the overture starts, and then everything kind of comes to the, the flashback, and the chandelier lifts off the stage and comes out into the theater. And I just burst into tears. I was so overwhelmed and just 
such a feeling of joy and just that experience. I didn't even know. And I was completely hooked after yeah. that. That's great. What about you, Nathan? You know, I was trying to remember the day, and because I'm old, I have no idea what the first thing was. I was lucky enough to get a bad knee from the Jets, but I mean, just looking at the shapes, I didn't have any choice at that point. Mm -hmm. So I've been seeing things um, since I was very small, but uh, like Dr. Cleo, the, the, the first Broadway production for me was The Mills, and um, because of the circumstances surrounding it, my dad was able to see things in the theater for a while, and I think I caught a couple more. I was just, again, knocked out by the, 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 the professionalism of every aspect, right? I, I, I've seen good actors, and I've heard good musicians, but I haven't ever seen something that was good at every level, mm -hmm. uh, and living with the news and living with it, I knew that I, I was already in graduate school at that time, and um, you know, pursuing some of the things that I liked to do, and I knew at that point that I was in the right place. Mm -hmm. It's just something about that environment when everything comes together, and it's just sort of, as you both described, just a little bit overwhelming, um, and you're almost like, am I really here? Am I really watching this? So how do you impress all of this passion on your students, and how do you develop this in them? You want to go first? Um, I think the first thing is just to go see shows. There's so much out there, so just start to experience it. There's um, just a lot of options. You may not like every style of it, but get out there and, and be open to it, I think, is a huge important part. I think mostly, for me, it's, it's about demonstrating my enthusiasm for it and, and trying to explain it is, it's going to be something different for everybody, and uh, it's not that I'm trying to convert people to the way of musical theater, but I think that there's something in musical theater for everybody, mm -hmm. and as you mentioned, I went to many productions, there's such a wide range, right, uh, and you don't have to like the Mamma Mia to like anything, or you don't have to like the Maltese Falcon to go see the show, and, and again, I think it's too easy to say, well, I don't like musicals, because you don't like a musical you saw.
There are references in there that you appreciate more if you have the history, if you understand what the references are. Um, whereas last spring we did Cicero, and I think we did it this week. Yeah, and Cicero. I think that's really accessible for all of us, yes. right? That that's a name that's not changed, and it's still very effectively written and represents great craft. But it's easy to come in and not know anything and still appreciate it. I uh, remember a couple of years ago you did uh, one, and I, I can't remember the exact title, but the, the it was very somber and, and, and fairly dark, and it had a lot of um, overtones to mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And you probably remember in the one that we did. Well, we're here in uh, Next to Normal. Right. right. Yes, normal. Next to Normal. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was amazed at how you could use movement and song to really communicate such really thoughtful and, and dark topics. And I remember my wife and I drove home that night just kind of talking about how all of those things came together. So take us inside a little bit. I mean, from a performer and a producer, director's perspective, what are the different parts? What are the different essential ingredients of a, of a great production? Pardon me, I'm going to have one of those little oh. sections that you love there. Um, musical theater is doing work with multiple aspect is acting is in the mix uh, and they they come together in various percentages for different shows um, and then there are all the kind of ancillary technical elements so you, there's a set design there's alignment design all the stuff you don't do um, and what I would just say about any of that is everything that you see or hear or experience as an audience member is the result of a decision um, and, and sometimes it's a decision made explicitly by the there are also decisions that we make by not having the dress code. And I think if, as an audience member, you sit wherever you sit and, and say, what is trying to be conveyed to me? What are they trying to communicate? Uh, what goes into it is the process of making all those decisions. It starts with the actor because it always starts with the work product. You know, they write the book, the script, and they write the music, and they write the lyrics. They do the orchestrations, and there are tons of work, tons of at the university level, tons of work is put into a, a show before it ever becomes, now we're going to produce it. But then at this point, we've chosen our spring show, and now we get to choose the cast, who, who amongst our group is going to be with the play. And everything that happens is the result of the decision. Where do they stand? Uh, are they looking at each other or not? What's he wearing? What's she not wearing? No, that's, that's not the show. Um, it's it's a, a massive amount of schedule and you say we're opening on this day right. whether we're ready or not right, right? the show must go on exactly we're, we're gonna and then you have to figure out okay what is the best use of the time I have we're gonna make these decisions and we're gonna let those old things go by because this is what it is and then it's all about paying for the several more people sitting in an environment whether you're doing this on campus with um, student talent or whether you're doing this in a much larger production Everybody in the process is an artist, right? And the creative dialectic is probably a little challenging every once in a while when somebody says, but I want to do it this way, or I want to sing that, or these are the notes that I think we should punch, and these are, the, how do you guys work all that together? Girls. Well, I mean, yes, as a performer, the nuts and bolts of the script, you know, you get your score and you, you 
learn the dialogue, you learn all of that, and then it's a, it is a process. It's, um, that's my favorite part, is the rehearsal, is exploring things, doing the research necessary with the character, how maybe it's been done before, or how you, how I respond to that role, um, and yeah, how you interact with everyone else, and um, you know, I call it like even just playing. Okay, now let's, we've learned the basic structure and then you have to work with the director, um, the costumes, all, all of that together. And I've worked with many directors and some are very, okay, you take one step here, I want you to, to go, I want you to say the line like this. Um, and then I've had others where it's kind of, all right, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so it's, um, it's an exploration and, and yeah, and you have to, you have to trust the director too that if something's not working, they will see it and they will be like, "This isn't working." Um, that can also happen where people are like, "Oh no, no, I, I want to do this," and just trust, trust that the person seeing the whole, the complete picture will fix it if it needs to be fixed. So, as a performer, how do you initiate that conversation with the director to say, "I really think the character would do this"? I really, how do you initiate that? And then, Nathan, I'm going to come to you as a director. How do you embrace that conversation and find, you know, where you guys can kind of find middle ground? Right. I think that starts early in the process where you're just starting to get ideas. I, I mean, things can change through the rehearsal period. So um, I'm always very open, and I like to hear what the director's ideas have. And if I have ideas, um, to have it as a dialogue not just the one way. Um, and that's what I love about it because there may be something that I hadn't thought of or maybe they hadn't, you know, if you're in one role, you know, that's really what you're focused in. So then seeing how it fits into the big picture. So um, I think, yeah, the best um, working relationships is that you can have that dialogue and that it's open. And um, that definitely, it's musical, I, I felt that, but it's like, I'm gonna explore this and, and some things to think about and you know it was um, it was great so um, I think keep, keeping that open dialogue open in both both parts can I ask you that I mean when you're starting to pick up all this and, and some of the stuff you're struggling with is one of the things you just said that reminded me of like a moment before want maybe you wanted to clarify something I just said about decisions right so everything that an audience sees is the result of the decision but it's not necessarily the decision that is arrived at is and what the rehearsal process is for is to try different answers to various questions and then settle on what is the best decision for each kind of individual moment. And that should be the process. That's certainly my role as a process I'm working with an actor is, okay, here's the way you want to try it on your own. Let me do it exactly that way. And let's see how that feels and how that works. And then let me know what I think about it and then tell me what you think about it. And then maybe let's try it this other way and then see how that feels. And, and what I try to do is always make if I have a different idea from what an actor wants to do, I'll say, try it this way, see how it feels. Just you're just trying. And then if they're truly resistant to it, then I'm never going to get them to do something differently because the actor has to be the one to buy it, right? So the actor has to buy into whatever the, cho the choice is. Um, but it's the director's job. Somebody has to be in charge and somebody has to always start to feel with us and keep the unified feel, right? Eventually, Joan Robinson, who's the, the king of 
human factor, okay, what is the play of that? Why do people make decisions of that? Does everything that is happening in the next two hours reflect that energy and that come from that pool? And, and, and sometimes the process of that, um, making sure that everybody buys into this is what the play is about, this is the story we're telling, we have to remind people because each of us gets so caught up in, but this is my own and this is what I know how to do, let me do my thing. Okay, I love your thing, but it doesn't work for me. And, and in a two-hour production, as you're going through all the rehearsal process, if on one given day you're only going to cover 10 or 15 minutes of the production, but you're going to approach it a bunch of different ways, you're you're trying to figure out how all these different pieces or you know, this scene or this act or this song will fit into what you might or might not do with the next one. And in fact, you're a mad scientist, sir. I am. answer question. For those of us who are lay folks that are on the outside, how, give us one thing that can help us to enjoy a production better. Or, or maybe put another way, what is it that's going on that most people in the audience, whether it's 200 or 2,000, don't really understand about the process but would help them to enjoy the production more if they did? Enjoy is an interesting word. I, I think really appreciate uh, is the word I would choose because I think we want to be able to have the, the theater we make the, the, what an audience comes to see and hear have an effect regardless of whether they know anything about Kukowski or not um, and that's the most basic level if you know more about what goes into it maybe you have a better appreciation for how much work goes into it and you feel more compassion for Michael who's working that hard or, or you can appreciate the, the ability it takes to do some of the moves or sing some of the notes or whatever. Um, but I think that's a secondary level. Um, I'm really interested in the, the production of Westside we, we just mentioned opened I think last night tonight's 11 o'clock and we only have the crowd and we're just glad it did. Um, and that's a curious thing about what is the function of art and, and how much are we allowed to change it? Right? Um, there's a vast piece about how much a director is actually the author of a particular production or of a particular work. Right? The things I have read about this West Side production scare me a little bit uh, because, to me, it's it's changing the play as it exists more than. Um, and because Graham Lovins is co-creator, producer of 
radical behavior for the world it needs to be doing this work. Um, and I, I find that really interesting, but also kind of dangerous. Um, and I can't speak to the quality of the production design because I haven't seen it. But my position was always, okay, well, if you wanted to say that there's been more than one final play that said that, This is Chancellor Robin Cummings, and I want to thank you for listening to 30 Brave Minutes. Our faculty and students provide expertise, energy, and passion driving our region forward. Our commitment to Southeastern North Carolina has never been stronger through our teaching, our research, and our community outreach. I want to encourage you to consider making a tax-deductible contribution to the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. With your help, we will continue our impact for generations to come. You can donate online at uncp.edu slash give. Thanks again for listening. Now back to more 30 Brave Minutes. You're listening to 30 Brave Minutes, a broadcast service of the College of Arts and Sciences at UNC Pembroke. I'm Jeff Frederick, and our panel includes Nathan Thomas and Kim Caglio, and we're talking about musical theater. So what are three productions that everybody ought to see? That's not to say that that will be the thing for everybody. I think that there are three things for everybody. And what you said about Jerome Robinson in the introduction about this is the kind of conversation that we have over wine or whatever. I've been in those conversations overseas with, with Mary Rogers and I can't, I can't remember. Okay, well, make your 10 best bets. What, what are the 10 bets? And, and that was a bunch of years ago. And now it has to be, okay, what are your 20 that 
20 favorite musicals there because if you try to choose even 20, it's really hard. So, so saying there's three is impossible. Um, West Side is still at the top of my list. And then every favorite will be different for everybody. Next to Norma, we mentioned, um, obviously, I'm going to do a couple times and, and had to do it that time when I saw it. Um, but that's, it's, it spoke to me. It was really well done. It will be for everybody. It's a particular kind of music um, that fits in a generation. Um, and I think there's a generation that is more attracted to Whitney Heights and Luke Hamilton than I am just on a musical level. Um, I think it's a great achievement, but it's not the music I go home and listen to at night. Um, Joe's Last Jam is the, is the music I go home and listen to at night. Um, although this is great. This speaks to me. I have no idea how it is on the show because I didn't get to see it, but I would love to see it. It's got great reviews and it's, it's fabulous. Um, but three, anybody? You know, I feel like maybe if the question was what three today, <laughs> maybe we change. And, and a lot of times, it's maybe one that I just saw recently. Um, I uh, I just saw it come from away on Broadway, and it was just incredible. Not only the music, the story um, of just people coming together um, at this. Uh, for those that don't know, in New Zealand, the, all the planes that had to land and they all ended up in this tiny um, town and it's how all the people come together to um, as they're waiting to get back home and it's the place the birds are from right the the, yes mm -hmm. yes and what's incredible um, too is all the actors are playing multiple parts just seamlessly maybe and and it's not an elaborate set it's you know they're passengers on a bus and then you know the chairs are just all in line and so seeing that the acting and just seeing this um is great and just a great story too. Um, I also, I, Rent was one of my absolute favorite shows. I mean, I've seen that <laughs> multiple times on Broadway. That's one of the few shows that I first, <laughs> yeah, I saw the, the tour, the revival um, tour, and I just think I, I'm really big on ones that you can come away from and your message is just um, with Rent, it's just living each day and no day but today. Um, and the first time I saw that, I just, I didn't even know what to do with myself after. <laughs> it was just like, how can I top this? Like, uh, I don't even know where to go eat. Uh, that's, uh, um, and then, again, if we're just talking the top three musicals today that I feel, um, how I think, um, one act, the, the Color Purple also mm -hmm. was just transformative watching that. And we're lucky enough to have the tour coming through here right. um, very soon. So everybody go. <laughs> Please go see it, because um, it's an incredible show, again, of just redemption and getting through adversity and strength. Um, so a great book, a yes. great movie, yeah. and great I'm sure music. a great musical. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us a funny story from one of the productions you've been part of. Oh, well, it's, all the funny stories I've been able to think of, they, they all just involve mistakes, right? There's just something that has gone wrong. Um, I did a production of Stonewall Night Live in Stonewall in Las Vegas in 1999. Uh, John Roberto was one of the guest actors in that show. Um, and you know John Roberto from Seinfeld. Seinfeld, yeah. yeah. He's got my hair. <laughs> <laughs> or you have his. Yeah, well, there you go. One or the other. Um, but there is a moment in, in Stonewall when Maria Kaleva um, arises on an elevator or something and brings Dave to it. Um, or, I should say, is supposed to. 
excited and took me there off. And so John just kind of stuck out there. So he stopped the show and he came down and he started talking to the audience and he came up to me and he said, Peter, he said, well, let me tell you what's supposed to happen at this moment. Um, the, the elevator with, with one woman come up um, who the rest would be standing on and have to sing the things outside and kind of be glorious. But that uh, today the elevator, much like my soul, is stuck on the bottom. <laughs> stories for about 20 minutes uh, about things like that, and, and, and then it gets delivered and they take it to my function desk and we move on with the show. So it was a strange moment for me. Everybody in that theater probably will remember that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think, I mean, that's the same thing. It's the things going wrong, you know, you know like a costume piece or um, something, you know, a set piece. Um, that was, I was doing um, company and it was the opening uh, number, you know, we're singing, dancing, and one of the set pieces halfway through is supposed to fly up, and it, uh, I think they had added something to it. It was swinging just slightly. Again, we, I didn't even know it was happening, and one of the fixtures, I think, hit something else. So all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're singing, dancing, and you hear this, this shatter of glass, like, all over, and <laughs> we just kept going, you know? I mean, that's the thing. It's live theater. You never know what's going to happen, and we just had a really tight cast, so we just trusted each other, and we just, just kept, kept going, going. did not know what was happening, um, and just kept going, and then, yeah, the next scene, you know, they had to switch the stage and stuff, but yeah, it's kind of just keep going, because anything, anything right. can happen, but that's, that's a, usually it's, it's a, things that are not so funny at the time, but later, you know, kind of tell stories about it, and <laughs> laugh about it. Those are two great stories. widely hailed or always eagerly anticipated, but maybe because of the interpretation or just uh, it doesn't fit with you for one reason. What's one that has never really been meaningful to you? Well, I would say it's not been meaningful to me. I haven't seen as much recently in New York as I would like, but uh, the last time I was there, I went and saw Evan Hansen, and I, I, I like everything he's trying to do. It's a heavy show, just yeah. the subject matter. I remember seeing it, and um, it was great, but it really stuck with me for you know many years, which I guess is a good good thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't. I try to be open to everything. Um, one musical I haven't seen it that much, but Evita. I just I know people love it, but I just have never really connected to it in the music. So you know, I should read you one of the things in the One of the reviews at the time was talking about how, how Prince directed the initial production of Evita, and the comment was how he had dressed it up so well that you didn't kind of notice that there were, you know, there's the emperor with no clothes, right? It was, like, <laughs> it was really, really wonderful to watch, and then you kind of came away from it going, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've not seen it. Yeah, I've seen it maybe the 
question. Let's let's pull back with the bigger lens. Uh, talk about the arts and why they're so important and why they're so meaningful for us as a society. I mean, oh, how much time do we have? That's <laughs> really. I mean, it's so important. Um, we are so wrapped in technology and and just being in front of a computer that the discipline to be in a show or to study something and, and it's something creative, exploring, um, trusting yourself, also working with other people um, to build something. Um, there's nothing like that. When you, it's like your family for uh, however many months of the production is, uh, it's just, it's such an experience of just working with people and creating something. Um, it's, it's just hard to explain. It's, um, but it's one of the most wonderful things. And, you know, when I'm teaching voice and, and theater, I just, sometimes I'm just like, wow, this piece of music is so incredible. Like, I am so lucky <laughs> to do this. And it's just, a, for many reasons, it's, it's incredibly important. And you have to hold on to it and, and promote it. Yeah, and I, I agree with absolutely all of that. And, and I think that's the kind of perspective from the fan. I think um, from an audience perspective, the, what we're hoping to create is, is a reminder that we're all human and what, we're, what it means to be human, right? Whether that's with the musical theater or whether that's any other kind of art, um, we're trying to illuminate the things that make us the same instead of delineate the things that make us different. And I think that's more and more important all the time. I was in our art gallery on campus uh, earlier today, and I think the same things that both of you just said could be said about our experience there, trying to be human, trying to understand each other, finding meaning, finding ways to uh, create and to explore, and all of the good that comes out of that. Katie and Nathan, thank you for being here with us for a really fun discussion of musical theater. Now let's all go see a show. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Join us again next time for another edition of 30 Brave Minutes. Today's podcast was edited by Richard Gay and transcribed by Janet Gentis. Theme music created by Riley Morton. This content is copyrighted by the University of North Carolina at Pembroke and the College of Arts and Sciences. It is to be used for educational and non-commercial purposes only and is not to be changed, altered, or used in any commercial endeavor without the express written permission of authorized representatives of UNCP. The views and opinions expressed by the individuals during the course of these discussions are their own and do not necessarily represent the views, opinions, and positions of UNCP or any of its subsidiary programs, schools, departments, or divisions. While reasonable efforts have been made to ensure that information discussed is current and accurate at the time of release, neither UNCP nor any individual presenting material makes any warranty that the information presented in the original recording has remained accurate due to advances in research, technology, or industry standards. Thanks for listening, and go Braves! Good job, everybody!